become more and more clear to you about what all that means, okay? Just continue to pray in the Spirit. It's going to bring things to your understanding. As you understand, just begin to walk in. And so, Father, thank you for good praise and worship tonight that creates an atmosphere, Father, for your presence to dwell in. And so, Father, my tongue is connected to my spirit. You grant me the ability tonight to speak as I ought to speak the oracles of God in a way that's simple and plain so that it can be understood, so that it's usable and people can, can actually leave out of here knowing how to apply it. And so, Father, have your way even further in this service tonight. Holy Spirit, however you desire to flow a function in our midst, just be glorified in Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Would you bless someone real good tonight? Either shake their hands, speak life into them, give them a pound, however you're led to do it, and then you can be seated. Praise God. I will go ahead and finish this up tonight. It's a whole lot more that I could say, but we just keep getting interrupted on this one. So go ahead and wrap it up on tonight. It's really included in the Every Single Christian series. We've been talking about really acting or, or act like men, as Paul talked about in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3. Uh, he commands the Corinthians to be brave. We know that be brave there is translated as uh, to quit you like men in the King James Version to act like men in the ESV, NASB, and then to be courageous or to be men of courage. Isn't that good right there, to be courageous? Be men of courage. Uh, Thayer here defines it this way, to make a man of or make brave, and then I love this one, to show oneself a man or to be brave. Notice, to show oneself a man. So notice, these characteristics can be seen, right? We're supposed to know a man when we see one. Would everyone in here agree with that? And it shouldn't be much guesswork involved. That's a man. That's a man. And it should be real clear. We said a whole lot of things around that that I won't repeat. But we really left off. They're really categories uh, as a single person. Uh, We left off talking about as a husband. Today we're going to get into as a father. But before I leave as a husband today... There was a question that came in that I thought was just really appropriate. It really came in from someone that was sitting in the service the last time I was up. The other person was listening uh, via SoundCloud. And the question was this. This is a legitimate question because we were talking from Jeremiah chapter 29. We were really talking about the order of a man. And everyone in here agrees, right, that a man needs to get his life together first. No one disagrees with that, right? And then after proving he can get his life together, you know, that's kind of the prerequisite for now I'm ready to take care of a wife, take on the responsibility of a wife, right? Then we follow that up with after I've proven I can take care of myself, now I've proven I can take care of my wife. I mean, that's really the time to now start planning for children. What's the key word there? Planning. Planning for children, right? And then we talked about at the end of that, you know, you eat the fruit of all that. So you eat the fruit of it as a single person. You eat the fruit of it as a married couple. You eat the fruit of it as a husband and father. And the scripture talks about in there, uh, you'll have peace and you won't be diminished, right? The question came in this way. You might recall I made a statement uh, that in the Jewish community, because that's who taught me that. I was a member of Franklin Fitness uh, and Racket Club in uh, Franklin, Michigan. And a rabbi is the one that actually taught me that text. I never learned that in church. 
I actually learned that from a rabbi. And what he said to me, and this is where the question came from, in that community or that culture, they will never allow the woman to be the primary breadwinner. So in other words, the house goes as she goes, right? And so because they consider that out of order. Is everybody clear? And it's out of order in that community. So you, you'd be hard-pressed. I've never seen it. So you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a Jewish marriage where the woman is the primary breadwinner taking care of the house. Okay, so what was the question that came in? Legitimate question in our communities, okay? And so don't hear this the wrong way. It's a legitimate question. One male asked this question. One female asked this question. The question was, what if you're in a marriage where the wife makes more money than the husband and we could not live solely off of his income, okay? I mean, that's a legitimate question, and that probably goes on a lot in a lot of different marriages uh, in, the, uh, in our communities. And so how is that? How did I answer that, okay? This is obviously uh, general wisdom, right? You want to pray and get something from the Holy Spirit more specific, but what you want to begin to do is look at the percentages, okay? How much of his income can you all live off of, all right? And you want to begin to work the percentages back towards the top. So in other words, if we can now start living off of 20% of his with a goal of moving that to 30, right, which means uh, we might have to downsize, we might have to cut some expenses, right? We might have to send him back to school so that he can increase his earning potential. What we want to do is eventually begin to get that from 30% to 40% to 50%, all the way to the point where he can take care of his household. So then the follow-up question was, does that mean I need to stop working? No, not at all, right? Every household is different, right? So that depends on the wisdom in that household, whether or not you choose to work or you don't choose to work. What you should do, though, is always use his income to base your lifestyle off of so that you have the freedom over the course of time to make choices, especially when children come into play. Does that make sense to anyone in here? All right, give you some examples of this, and then we're going to move on. I need to move on. Kids are back in school. Uh, The example, I was actually able to call one. There was a three-year stretch where my wife made probably three times more income. She was in business. She was a broker. She owned her own business. There was a three-year stretch where she made probably three times more income than I did. Well, you know, she's a good wife. And so what she would always do was bring those checks right home, give those to me. But, but I never based our lifestyle off of both of those incomes. So in other words, the house we lived in, the cars we drove, The schools our kids went to was still based off of one income, even though we had all this additional income coming in. Well, what did we do with that? We paid off debt. We paid off houses. We paid off cars. You all see, we blessed people. We saved, right? And sure enough, I get sent out. Now, watch this. Sure enough, I get sent now from Michigan to Georgia. So she can't make the kind of money in Georgia that she was making in Michigan. So you see how we would have been trapped if our lifestyle was based off of those two incomes. Can you all see that? All right, I got to move on. That's called general wisdom. That is not specific wisdom, right? Every household needs to go back and pray about what that looks like to you. Still, the goal should be the same. The end goal should be the same is that we get him on top. And he's 
responsible for his household. Can everyone agree with that? All right, now let's pick up today. Let's talk about as a father. Act like a man. What does that look like as a father? Two things we're going to talk about tonight, and then we'll close this out. Two things as a father you must do. Teach your children and then be patient with your children. Okay, two things. Teach your children and then be patient with your children. The responsibility of teaching the children really lies on the father, not the mother. Okay, I'll show you that clearly from the scripture. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Fathers have the duty to bring their children up in the ways of the Lord, right? Fathers have this responsibility, not the mothers. And I need all the men to say amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. And let's look at verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. When you get there, say amen. All right, it says, fathers. You all see that? And you fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. If you look up the Greek word for provoke there, it literally means anger. So what he's talking about here is don't anger your children with your anger. Or another way to say that, don't do things out of anger. But the reality is they've probably done something to make us angry. What he's saying is don't respond from anger, though. Because most times, if anger is what's driving your response, I mean, you're going to do something, say something wrong, and probably do something to the child that you'll regret later on. Can you all see that? So he says here, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up. Bring them up here is so important here. It really means to rear up to maturity. It means to train. It means to nourish, and it means to bring up. So a father has a responsibility to stay with the child, watch this now, until the child becomes mature. That happens at different stages and different ages. I'm learning girls are so much different than boys. Girls mature, listen to me, man, probably, I want to say 10 times faster than boys. That's probably high, but but I think you all understand what I'm saying. And you would make the mistake of treating one like you treat the other or having an expectation from one that you have for the other. Okay, watch this now. So it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture here means tutorage. It means education. It means training, okay? It means disciplinary correction, watch this, with instruction. So if we don't discipline with instruction, how many know then we produce what's called rebellion? A child has to understand why I'm being disciplined, right? And it has to be clear. It has to be instruction. You almost want the child to come to the conclusion that I already know what comes along with this because you've told me a thousand. They can draw their own conclusions that discipline has to be present because I've already instructed you. Can you all see that? Anger should never be a part of this. Love is the motivator here, right? So then he says, bring them up in the nurture, key word here, and admonition of the what? All right, this word admonition here means warning. All right, so even though we're to instruct our children, I mean, we still have to warn them. All right, now, this will help you tonight. If you're going to instruct them, then you have to trust them. 
which means the only way you will ever know whether or not they are listening to you is to give them opportunities to see if they can be trusted. Then you have to warn them with love the consequences and the rewards. If you stay here, this is what will happen. If you go this direction, then I got to let you know what's out there. And as I do with my kids all the time, my job is to make sure that you know so that whatever you run into out there, you can never say that your parents didn't tell you. All right? So I want you to think about this for a moment. My mother purchased me a car, and she said, I can't drive it. Right? So what she was saying was she didn't trust me. Right? So as a 16-year-old kid, my response was, well, why did you buy me the car? Okay, let me. Right? And this created real friction in the household. So much so to the point where she said you can drive it to school, to work, and back home and park it. I said, digging out, you already take me to school and to work. (laughs) Listen to that, I never drove a car as a 16-year-old. What did I learn from that? When you take things away from children before they prove they can't be trusted, you produce rebellion in that child. So now, I have a 16-year-old daughter who has a car. So what I do is let her drive everywhere she needs to go but I do it with instructions. So in other words, she has to be where she says she was going, same way I live. If you change locations, you must let us know, and you have to be home at the time you said you were going to be home or the time we're requiring you to be home. Long as you stay within those boundaries, everywhere you need to be, you can take yourself. She hasn't violated that one time. And that's interesting. I'm learning the more you trust them, the more they prove they can be trusted. Isn't that interesting? All right? So you all see how this goes, right? Anger should never be what's driving anything that you're doing. And again, I know they deserve, sometimes you just want to, is it just me? But sometimes you, but you've got to pull that back. Even say to yourself at times, this is not the right time to talk to my child. Let me calm myself down and come back at another time when I can actually talk to them in love. All right, let's keep going here because that clock is flying tonight. So fathers have a responsibility to teach, to train their children. This is so important. Whose responsibility is that? Is that the mother's or is that the father's? That's the father's responsibility. Okay, well, what if she doesn't live in the home you're still, or, or you don't live in the home with your child? Whenever you're with them, those moments are vitally important to the to the, how that child turns out, okay? I cannot stress that enough. Don't say, you know, that's their mother's job. No, I have a responsibility to be responsible for whatever I create, right? And training that child is such a big part. Teaching that child is such a big part. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Actually, go to Genesis chapter 18. I was going to go by that, but I shouldn't. Let's look at an example of Abraham. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. When you get there, say amen. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. All right, notice here. God didn't just choose Abraham to be choosing Abraham. Abraham qualified for God to choose him. And the scripture is getting ready to give us some insight as to why God chose Abraham. Look at verse 19. He said, for I know him. So now he's talking about I have a relationship with him. Actually, the word there means intimate. So I'm actually intimate with Abraham. 
And, and what does he say that he knows about him? That he will command his children. Now, the word command here means to appoint. It means to direct. See, a lot of times when we think command, we think control. But that's not really what we're talking about. You don't want to control your children. You really want to guide your children. You all understand the difference? If they're doing it because you made them do it, how many know they're really not doing it anyway? They're only doing it because you made them do it. The goal is that they're doing it because they want to do it, right? So what we want to do is guide them. So God said, I know him. What do I know about it? He's going to appoint his children and his household after him. That's interesting there. So a father, watch this, has a responsibility twofold to live what he wants the child to live, and his life should point the child towards God, not away from God. Can you all see that? Children will always listen more to what you do than what you ever say. All right? So he says here, I know him. He's going to command his children and his household after him. His household means, listen to me, if they live in the house, this house is only going one way. All right? I, I have people in my house right now. My brother's in town. Actually, both my brother's in town. Praise God. My best friend, he'll be in later on tonight. My blood brother, he would have been here tonight, but he rode a motorcycle from Detroit, Michigan, all the way here, and the rain stopped him from being here tonight. Then my best friend, who's like my brother, I, I would probably be up talking all night long. But, but, but my brother and I, when he comes in the house, I mean, he's in my house now. So he has to now adjust to our household. Anyone that's in the house has to abide by the house rules, right? And he doesn't do anything, don't get me wrong, but we're not the same. All right, let let me move on by it. So keep the way of the Lord, watch this here, to do justice and judgment that the Lord might bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Now, I want to throw this out there tonight. Do you understand that the promise that God gave to Abraham was that he'd be the father of many nations? But notice the the goal of becoming a father of many nations was that he took care of his own house first. So you'll learn from this. Listen to me, man. God blesses you from your house. And you're never going to get further than what you do for your house. And the more you bring your house up, the more God brings you up. Can you all see that? He literally told Abraham that the condition for getting to the promise that I made you was keeping your house in order. Isn't that good? Right? So never ever forget that what God can do for you is in direct relation to what he can trust you to do for what's in your care. So once you get a revelation of the better I take care of my wife, the better I take care of my children, watch this the better God takes care of me. Because God loves them more than he loves me. So the more I bring them up, the more he brings me up to bring them up. Do you all see that? All right, let's keep going. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read verse 6 and 7. When you get there, say amen. All right, Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in 
your heart, okay? God directing Moses here. So I want you all to understand something, fathers. Ladies, pay attention to this as well. You cannot give your children what's not already in your heart. Right? So, so before I ever try to raise them up, I've got to make sure I've raised myself up. Right? And put in me what I'm desiring to transfer to them. Can you all see that? So he says here, and these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Watch this. And then you shall teach them diligently unto your children. So remember, I can't give my children what I don't have. Right? And if you have children, you know that they, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you an example of this. I was riding with a family. I'll never forget this. And I said, boy, if this is not a living example. I was riding with a family one time, and the, the family had just left our, our home. And the, you know, the, the, we were all riding together. We were going to go get some pizza. And uh, the two older uh, kids were talking about just the environment. We want to, you know, it's one day we want to. And so the father says to the, to the kids, if you just stay in school and, and get good grades and, and, and do these things, God can do this for you all as well. This is what the, the, the two said. So does that mean you didn't go to school and get good grades? Now, these little kids, these little kids, they're honest, brutally honest, brutally honest. So did you see how they translated what he said? It couldn't be real to them. They didn't see it in them. Okay, I want to help everyone in here. I was a youth pastor for five years, okay? I counsel hundreds of kids, youth, and their parents. You know what the greatest challenge was? Whenever you'd ask the parent to leave and leave the kids in there, they say all of this, but this is really what's going on at home. And and really, I could probably deduce it to this. Hypocrisy drove more kids away from the church than anything else. All right. All right. So I want you all to hear this now. He said, Moses, put the word in your heart first. Then teach it diligently unto your children. Watch this. Talk to them when you sit down in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So in other words, conversations are happening all day, right? And conversations don't have to be son, daughter. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7 says, I mean, you can talk to your children without using chapter and verse. It's a shock you. Very seldom do I ever open up a Bible. And I'm never telling them what I'm telling them. I'm just telling them so that when they hear it at church, they hear it at school, it reinforces what their father is instructing them. How often should this happen? I don't want to shove it down their throat. And listen, they want to be around you. You'd be surprised. They want to talk. And really, if you learn how to do more listening, then you can just respond with good wisdom every single time. Do you all see that? All right, let's keep going here. That clock is flying. Thou shalt diligently teach them unto thy children. Talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Bind them for a sign upon your hand. Let them be at the frontless between your eyes. Write them on the post of your house. Here's the key. Make sure the word is the driving force that's leading your household. 
right? Let the word of God settle every conversation, everything that's happening in that household. Let the word of God be the reason behind it. Go with me now. Let's look at one more. Go with me to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Talking about teaching your children. Whose responsibility is this? The father's. If you're raised like me, who did you get most of your information from? Your mother, right? If you weren't getting it from your mother, who were you getting it from? Your grandmother, right? Then after your grandmother, the streets, (laughs) friends, right? In my household, all I ever saw was grandma was in charge. Even over my mother. So if I'm in the house and grandma and my mother's present, grandma is in charge. Right? And literally, grandpa, we don't see him. We know he lives here. We know he goes to work. But we don't see him. He has no role. He's not involved in this part of the process. That's what I saw, right? I'll show you something here. Wait till we get to the discipline side. When I got old enough, well, let's keep going. Where did I tell you to turn? Joshua 24? What verse? 17. Okay, Joshua 24, 17. And this will be a great segue right into discipline. For the Lord our God, he, is, he it is that brought us up out of the land of our fathers of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight, preserved us in the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. So, so who is the one that did everything for them? Right? Who? God, right? And so a good father is always going to make sure his children know Everything that we have, God is the one that blessed us with. All right? Now, back up to verse 16, and now look at the the position here of Joshua. Actually, drop back to 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. I want to read that first and then back up. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him with sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Watch this. But as for me and my house, we will what? All right, so as we now begin to segue over into discipline, it must be clear in every household how this household lives, right? It's what I tell my children all the time. I love you regardless of which way you go, right? This is the way the household is going. If you decide to go another way, you're on your own. I won't stop loving you. I'll always be your father, but I will not finance something different. Because everything that we have came from God. And I'm not getting ready to take his resources and promote anything evil. All right? So, I want this to be clear as we get into discipline because 
really the kids need to understand that at the end of the day, you love God more than you even love them. So there are times I tell my children, listen to me, if your mother did X, Y, Z, I wouldn't be with her. So don't take it personal. I tell them that. I won't even put your mother before God. And then I tell them, and your mother wouldn't put me before God. And if I did X, Y, Z, your mother wouldn't be with me. So I need you all to understand. Once you decide that you've got a better way, and that way is anti-God, you're on your own. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for being here, big fella. You're going to do some great things, man. Seriously. God's going to use you in some mighty ways. I just see that, man. How, how old are you? 17. Man, just stay with God. Wow. Stay with God, boy. Spirit man is getting all of this. So I'm going to come back to you at the appropriate time. We're going to walk in some big things. Now. Teach your children, and then be patient with them. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm sorry. Now, all of you all know I have two children, right? And, you know, in our household, you have one. I won't tell you which one. But you have one who they don't want to do anything to hurt you. You understand what I mean? It's like, uh, you don't even have to spank them. It's like, as soon as they know they did, <laughs> and you don't need to do anything because they already feel bad enough about it. But I got another one. <laughs> he want to see, oh, I'm sorry. She, <laughs> where is the line? And how close can I get to the line? I want to even play with the line a little bit. And how, you know, one requires more patience than the other one. Right? One gets it. You sit down, walk them through the purpose of a relationship, the timing, all of this. Got it. Flowing in it. The other one is, I, I, I believe in that. I agree with that. But I need to learn for myself. Now, watch this. How many of you need to respect that? Now, this is getting ready to shock you. So, so one has a friend. I say it's a girlfriend, but, but he said, you know, the, the one is saying, uh, no, it's, I got it. Just trust me. So, I say, I will always trust you until you show me you can't be trusted. So, I'll, I'll go through this with you, right? We'll, we'll go through this together, right? So, when her birthday came up, I brought the bear, the card. I went to the store, showed him how to get it. You all dropped him off at the party, uh, all of that, okay? Pull, pull him out. I'm with, he texted me. I said, this is the key, son, Long, I mean, uh, this, for this one. This is the key. That's my man. I love this boy. So, 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 so why? So I said, as long as you stay in the light, I won't believe you're doing nothing wrong. As soon as you go dark on me, then I'm going to believe you're doing something wrong. So he said, what do you mean, Dad, being in the light? I said, 
And you start deleting text messages and deleting stuff and hiding stuff and, and, and we don't know where you're at and you're telling us you're, you're one place, we find you somewhere else, then I, you've shown me I can't trust you in this situation. So, so he's keeping his end of the bar. Dad, call, can I go support her in the softball game? Can I do this? So I'm with that because, number one, let me help all these fathers understand something living in Atlanta. I'm happy it's a girl. Let me try this side of the room right here. We can, we, can work, we can work with this right here. We can work with this all day long. Then the boy don't discriminate. It's already out there. The boy don't. I was joking with him. I was like, boy, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in your sight, aren't they? Boy, don't discriminate at all. You understand? I mean, I'm just looking at all the names, pulling up to them like, boy. But watch this. Go through it with them. And don't overreact. Watch this and be patient. You know all I had to do, Malcolm, to help me be patient? Just think about what I was doing at 14. I said, boy, I take this boy all day long right here. Because, man, listen, anybody else in here? What? Man, listen, by the time I was 14, Jermaine, come on, you already know what I'm talking about. Man, I had already seen a lot of movies by the time I was 14 <laughs> years old. We just talking about a boy here just getting started. <laughs> And so I always ask myself, if a father would have taught me all of this at the age of 14, would I still have, would I, I don't know. So let me just be patient with him. And let me go through it with him, right? Let him learn some things on his own, right? He knows the drill. You get somebody pregnant, that's going to be on you. They're not moving in here. You're going to take care of that. <laughs> so we've been through all of this. Is everybody clear? We've been through the whole drill so now I just have to be patient because the other one stays so far away from it, I've actually got to soften that one to get back over here a little bit. Because you're junior now. You need to go to your prom, homecoming, all of that. Be a little sweeter. <laughs> so notice, I'm not treating them both the same. They're different. And I'm going through life with them and being patient without overreacting. Trust him until you prove you can't be trusted. As long as you can look me in my eye and answer the same questions, I have to keep working with you until I find out something different. Everybody clear? All right, let's keep going. How many of y'all glad you came? That's good stuff right here. Because, you know, most of us right there, you know, you get off that phone, hang up, what are you talking about? The kid, listen, I'm not going to be with him for 10 hours a day. No way I can know what he's doing for at least 10 hours a day between school and practice. So guess what? He's going to do what he wants to do anyway. So why not go through it with him? See, where he's now calling and saying, hey, practice is over. Can I go to her game? Yes, son. Just because you called and made me aware, sure. What time you want me to pick you up? Take that away from him. Dad, practice, they, it, it lasted an extra two hours. <laughs> so now I'm forcing him to do stuff because his dad is not trusting him with no reason not to trust him. All right, let's keep going. Be patient. Ephesians 6, 4. You fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath or anger. So in other words, don't anger them with your anger. You have to understand that 
and this, this is challenging because their generation is not our generation. And the reality is they don't want to hear what it was like when you were growing up. If you want to know the truth, they don't care. And they think that was 500 years ago anyway. Right? And so what you've got to learn how to do is just stay calm, let them be who they are, be patient with them, and work through them, work with them through every single situation, right? Even if it means some things that you don't agree with, if they haven't sinned, sin is not attached to it, we're just talking friendship, different things like that, then okay, let's learn together. Show me that you can actually handle this and not overstep your boundaries. Okay, let's keep going here. Now, be patient with them. Uh, Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. You know, fathers, you don't want to be overbearing or discouraging. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, kind of says the same thing a different way. You don't want to be overbearing or discouraging. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Watch this. Fathers, do not provoke your children, same Greek word, lest they become what? Discouraged. And so what you want is a confident child. What you want is a child with high self-esteem, especially females, right? You don't want a discouraged child that's timid and shy because you're always overbearing on them. See, a child should have a healthy, reverent fear, but they shouldn't be scared of you. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? It should be healthy, it should be reverent, but they shouldn't be scared of you, okay? So make sure you don't do things to discourage your child. So many different examples I can use. You know how kids think they're really good at a whole lot of different things? Well, what you want to do is be a positive support system to them without lying. What do I mean by that? You know, they might think they can sing really well. And, and what you need to do is find ways to talk about that in a positive and constructive way. So, you know what? That's a good start. You know, why don't we set you up with Tamika at the church so that we can get you some... See how you can say that differently versus that was horrible. You better find something else to do. So I, see, once again, if you grew up like I grew up, all you ever heard was what you wouldn't be. And when you share something, some grandiose ideas, you were pipe dreaming. Sad, but that's just the reality of the world that I grew up in. Then you hear a lot of your daddy wasn't nothing, and, and you're not going to be nothing. It never came from my mother, but it came from other family members. You all understand? My point here is don't discourage, always encourage. Find ways to do that. All right? Now, this does not mean that there should never be discipline. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to begin to wrap this up for tonight. That does not mean there should never be discipline. What should this discipline look like? Hebrews chapter 12. You know, both of my children are on the same path, and they both have been told, you know, that we're not paying for college, right? That's clear. They've signed contracts. We're not paying for college. They have to earn scholarships to college because we've already paid for college, right? They do certain things by 16. They can actually get the car that they want because we have saved, so it's actually cheaper to uh, buy the car than it is to pay for college. You all see that? but it's still conditional. So, so one has already qualified, so I always tell the other one, it's not automatic. 
You have to be in position heading into your junior year. Now, I mean, if, he, if, if the one doesn't, I mean, that's not on me. Who is that on? That's on him. Or, or that's on the, the uh, it's too late now. Right? I need to just stop trying that, right? Just leave that alone, right? And how many know that's fair? Can you all see that? That's fair, right? So then what would I do? I said, get a job. And then whatever your money can afford, that's what you get. Well, what college would I go to? The one that your money can afford. So you've got to work your way through college. It's called Gwinnett Community College. How many know that's fair? Where'd that come from? Hebrews chapter 12. Watch this. Let's begin reading at verse 5. Well, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So in other words, we have not gone through anything in life compared to what Jesus went through for us. So keep that in perspective as we talk about everything else. Have you not forgotten, forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? Exhortation here is actually translated as instruction. Right? Watch this now. This speaks to you as what? Sons. My son, do not despise the chastening or correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Two things here. Scourging should only come after instruction. Right? I personally believe every first mistake should require no discipline. First mistake should require instruction with understanding now that it's clear, if you do this again, here comes the, the wood. It's just how we've always done it, all right? You pray about it, see what it looks like for you. But notice here, instruction before scourging. Okay, watch this. If you endure chastening, then God deals with you as sons. For what son is there in whom a father does not chasten? Let me pull up something. Go back to verse uh, 7. I want to show you something. If you endure chastening, tutorage, education, training, correction, instruction. Isn't that interesting? What you have to endure is the information, not the beating. Can you all see that? And you're actually loving your child more through instruction than you ever will through beating. Watch this. Let's keep going. For if you endure instruction, then God will deal with you as a son. So, so I want you all to see that when a child makes a mistake, if the child can receive the instruction and correct it on their own, how I many are now they qualified? And that is the highest goal in parenting 
is that they were able to change with instruction, not through beating. I mean, you can beat them. That does not mean they've changed. All right, let's go real slow. and I can tell I'm rushing. For whom the Lord loves, he instructs. And he scourgeth every child. That means literally to flog. Now, anyone here understand what flogging is in the Bible? Anybody want to take a shot at that? What is that? The only way I can describe this is it's a beating. And it's not good. So notice the, the beating should only come after instruction. So let's go real slow. Highest goal is to instruct and then deal with them as sons and daughters, right? Once we've instructed and they've now clearly understand, chosen to go a different way, I mean, we got to bring them back around now. And that's love, right? Let's keep reading here. Verse 8, but if you are without instruction, whereof all of us are partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons? Isn't that interesting? So what makes people illegitimate is what they don't know. Right? And that's the problem with the world right now is they don't have the information. So what you want to make sure is that your children is not illegitimate because of what they don't know. And that's on us as fathers, okay? Let's keep reading here. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? So I want you to begin to understand what he's saying here. You want to begin to teach your children, they really much rather have God deal with them than a man deal with them. Right? How many of you are most likely going to get it wrong? He's going to get it right every single time. Right? Now, I want to share a story with you all. I can remember my father didn't raise me. And so at 14, I'm taller than my mother. I'm looking down at her. I can kiss her on her forehead. I'm, I'm doing pretty much everything I think I'm big enough to do. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And the police bring me home because I'm out there doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. And they bring me home in handcuffs and, they, you know, all this stuff. And, and so my mother's going to take me over to my father's house to spank me. Now, you got to say I'm 14 now. And he has not in my mind earned the right to do this. And so the best way I can describe this to you, it was a standstill. I mean, I, I would not, I just stood there, I turned to the side, and all I did is just stared at him as he swung as hard as he could. This is all I would do. And just stare at him. All the time thinking, when I get just a little bigger, I'm going I'm to grab it from him. True story. True story. True story. All the time. I wouldn't cry. So much so he had to go sit down because he got tired. <laughs> Telling you this for a reason, especially to the father. So then I kept standing up. And he said, sit down, boy. And I just kept standing up. He said, sit down. I just kept standing up. So he got up, tried again. I turned to the side again. I just stared at him while he, I didn't try to block it. I just, and I just looked at him because in my heart, he had not earned the right to do that. Let me tell you why. As I got older and understood it, he never gave me any instruction. So my attitude, my position was, how are you going to beat me when you never taught me nothing? 
So watch this. I resented him even further from that day forward. Not for it was the right thing to do to spank me. I couldn't understand because you never taught me anything. That makes sense to anyone in this room? So I want you to think about this, fathers. When you're trying to discipline your children, if they don't understand why you're doing it, could be, it could be really put, putting a lot of resentment in that child's heart. Okay, everybody clear on that? All right, now, let's, let's come on down, 8-12. For verily, verily, for a few days, chasing after their own pleasure, but he for our what? Verse, verse 10, for our what? Right, so anytime he's instructing us, it's for our what? All right, anytime God is instructing us, it's for our what? So anytime we instruct children, it should be for their what? Right? So you want to begin to get them chasing profit and not punishment. Right? How do you do that? You tell them that when you do these things, this is what's on the other side of that. Right? And they will gravitate more towards things that they profit from faster than they ever will things that they get punished for. Especially if you make the things that profit them so much greater than how you punish them. So always tell your children, if you really think I punish you that bad, imagine how much I'll bless you on the other side for doing the right thing. You all see that? All right, let's keep going here, and I'm going to go ahead and wind it up. 813. That we may be partakers of his what? Holiness. Now, there's no chastening for the present that seems to be joyous. But grievous, nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. I can tell you, the reason I love God so much is because every time he instructs me and I line up with that, he blows me away. Every time, it never fails. He instructs, if I line up with that, he blows me away. But I understand when I don't, he didn't do it to me, life did it to me because I made choices away from my father. So you always think about that when you're raising your children, right? Make the rewards so much greater than the punishment. Talk about profit, talk about rewards, talk about blessings with instruction and then deliver. Here's the other thing. I just want to share this with fathers in here. Don't promise your children things that you know you can't deliver on. Everybody clear on that? My father told me he was going to buy me a bike. Now, Larry, do you know I, I got in the window? To, you know, I, I was in that window all day waiting on my father to come take me to get a bike. My mother would come in the kitchen, in the dining room. She'd say, just go sit down. Don't. No, daddy's coming. Daddy said he's going to get me a bike. And I cry a little bit more. Daddy never showed up. I mean, this creates trust issues with children when we promise and we don't deliver. And they start thinking if they can't trust their parents, then who can they trust? A couple of other things I want to say, and then I'm going to close for tonight. If you're a single parent in here, especially a mother, be very careful to not be overbearing if you're trying to discipline and raise a boy. I don't know any other ways to say this. Psychologists will tell you this. You know, I just, I, 
if, if at all possible, unless I'm out of town, I always tell my, my wife, don't hit my son. Don't spank him. And don't hit him. Definitely don't hit him with your hand. Psychologically, what help happens within children, children, especially boys, I'm going to tell you the other side to it in a minute, boys can then grow up resenting women. And, and can begin to take aggression out on women because the mother was so overbearing and domineering and, and beating the child. There are other things psychologists would tell you as well. It could affect his sexuality. And so you want to be very, you want to use wisdom if you're a single mother in here raising a boy. You also want to use wisdom if both are in the household who... Believe it or not, I very seldom, when my daughter was younger, I, I, I spanked her. As she got bigger, I don't spank her anymore. And I send her to my wife for discipline. Why? Because I never want her to think it's okay for a male to hit her. And so I want you to understand, it can be very easy for a little girl if her father has been tearing her up and she thinks he loves her. Then what's different if this guy says he loves me and he's tearing me up? So as my daughter got older, I began to tell her that, that I, can't, I don't want to do this to you anymore. I want to use my hands to discipline you. I want to use my hands to love you. You all see this? I began to instruct her along these lines. I, I don't want to spank you. And if it comes down to that, you know these things, but I'm going to send you to your mother because I don't want you to think it's ever acceptable for a man to put his hands on you. Y'all understanding? And we kind of tell both our kids both ways. My wife got upset with my son yesterday, two days ago, and she said, I think I'm getting ready to pop him. I said, don't do it. Just tell me what's going on. I'll handle that when I get home tonight. Right? And then it just reminds her of, of why we do that. Because I don't want my son also to ever think that that's how this works and you're going to let women be domineering over you. See, this is how you get boys who grow up and be dominated by their wives. Which is all they know. It's good stuff, isn't it? Let me all glad you came tonight. Both children can have sexuality issues over those things. Being a former youth pastor, I know of kids who resented their parents so much they went that way just despite their, their parents because they knew this would hurt them so bad and literally sit across the table and tell me that I did this just because I knew what it, it would do to them this is from experience I'm I, I'm, I've counseled hundreds of kids use my hands with my daughter. Did up to a certain age, I'll never do it again. Then I explained to her why. Tell my wife, don't hit that. Don't hit him. Don't he? I don't even want you to be overbearing with him. He must be the leader of his household. You all understand? And we both work these roles this way. Okay. Some of y'all glad you came tonight. You get anything out of this tonight? How many of you all this is causing you to reflect on your own childhood? Can you look back into your childhood and even understand why you're the way that you are today? 
Honestly, anyone in here willing to be honest? Yeah. There's some good things that came out of that. There's some other things in my childhood that came out of that that if it wasn't for the word of God, I would have jacked, tell my wife's life up. I would have. And man, I don't even want to think about what my children's life would be like if it was not for the word of God. Let's just thank God for the word of God. <laughs> can we do that? Man, because it can change any situation at any given time, okay? All right, praise God. Thank him for the word. Go ahead, right where you're seated right now. Just thank him for the word. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his grace, his kindness. Uh, I, I can almost hear a question coming. Once my daughter got about 10 years old, I, I've never used anything to discipline her in a physical way just been my voice when she turned about 10. She's been spanked since then, but I let my wife handle that. Always affirm your children. Speak life blessings over them. I didn't get a chance to get to that part tonight. Tell them God is on their side. As long as they stay with him, God's going to cause everything that they do to prosper. Speak life into your children every single day. Tell them that they're great. Tell them it's going to be a great day. They're going to do great things. Let them know. Remind them that they're awesome. Most importantly, make sure you live in front of them what you want them to be in life. Hallelujah. Thank God for all the men present in this room today. The world is better because of men like you all that are sitting in this room. I commend you. I take my hat off to you. Thank you for your part. If you've already raised children, thank you for it. Man, God bless you for it. If you're still raising them, God bless you for staying in the game. Thank you. Thank you for that. Body of Christ and the kingdom of God needs that. And, uh, we've got a lot of work to do here at You Linked Up Church, but I'm up for the challenge. I think we can change our community. I think we can do it one man at a time, right? Let's not try to change the whole community. Let's just work on one at a time, right? Each one, just try to reach one. And over time, we're going to make a big difference, right? Everyone just look up here at me for a moment. It's 822. If you're in this building tonight, so look around. Most people in here are, are good. But I never like to take for granted that there may be someone in this room you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Man, I want